Torres. This is Viewpoint with attorney and author Chuck Chrismeyer. Viewpoint is a one-hour open-line talk show confronting the issues of America's heart and home. To express your viewpoint, please call 804-754-1988. That's 804-754-1988. And now with today's edition of Viewpoint, here is Chuck Chrismeyer. Passion without principle inevitably leads to carnage, whether or not you intended it or not. Passion without principle leads to carnage and unintended consequences. Today on Viewpoint, we're going to be taking a look at the very emotional and passion-driven subject of gun control. Gun control is people control. That's really what it is. Gun control is people control because guns have no choice. Guns do not choose to do anything. Guns are an inanimate object, just like cars. Cars do not kill people. People driving cars kill people. Now, that might be a novel idea to think about, but in that, indeed, it is true. Alcohol itself does not kill people. People drinking alcohol kills people. Drugs, however, do kill people. Fatherlessness ends up killing people. But guns do not kill people by themselves. So what is it that kills people? Why is this such an emotional discussion? It's because of circumstances. Passions arise out of incidences. Incidences that drive our passions. In fact, many of those instances were driven by passion. And passion without principle always yields to some kind of carnage, including passion-driven gun control. Lucretia Hughes spoke before the House Oversight and Reform Committee hearing about gun violence today. She's a black grandmother. Her son was killed by a violent criminal who had a gun. She said gun owners are not the enemies, and gun control laws are not the solution, she said. How about letting me defend myself from evil? She asked the lawmakers at the House Oversight and Reform Committee hearing on gun violence, how about letting me defend myself from evil? You, who are calling for more gun control, are the same ones that are calling to defund the police, she said. Who's supposed to protect us? We must prepare to be our own first responders, to protect ourselves and our loved ones. Yet Matthew McConaughey joined the committee yesterday in their hearing, and with Texas passion and a little bit of Texas drawl, with his actor, shall we say, uh, persuasion to the multitudes, convinced those who were listening, many, that he had the interest of the people at heart because he has passion to protect people who have been killed by other people's passion. So he gave four plans, four particular ideas to control guns and remedy the situation. The problem is not one of the ideas that he suggested 
would have ever protected against the slaughter at Uvalde, of which he was speaking about, or any other slaughter for that matter, because guns have no choice. Only people do. And people who want to kill, whether or not you have gun control laws or not, are going to gain the instruments for killing, whether you want them to or not. And that's precisely why the majority of the killings that are taking place in our country are taking place in the states and in the cities that have the strongest, most complete control through gun control laws. They don't work. They do not work. So what does? We want to talk about that here today on Viewpoint. What does work? Why do gun control laws not work? And is there an insidious purpose that we are not considering amid our passion to protect ourselves? Is there an insidious purpose behind gun control laws? Indeed, there is, friends, and you need to hear about it. This is Viewpoint. I'm Chuck Chris Meyer. It's conversation, as always, with ever-increasing conviction talk that transforms. And today, I trust, will be a transforming conversation, protection, help us to get our minds uh, connected with principle, our passions connected with principle. There's nothing wrong with having passion, but it has to be connected with principles. Would you like to find out what passion connected with principles looks like or sounds like, you're going to hear from it in the second section of our program here today on Viewpoint. And you don't want to miss it. You don't want to miss it, friends. It will stir your mind and your heart. So the reality is gun control is not rational. It may seem like it when we're driven by our passions, but it's not rational because it's not connected to principle or even to proven statistics that reveal that all of the efforts for gun control do not accomplish their intended end. So gun control is not rational because it's based upon isolated instances of pain rather than overall community or national gain. It's a temporary solution or a purported temporary solution to a long-term problem that does not have its connection to guns, but other things that we don't want to talk about. It protects a few while exposing many. Gun control is emotionally based rather than rationally based. It's a willingness to sacrifice long-term freedom for the promise of short-term peace that never comes. It shifts moral responsibility from immoral man to an inanimate object while leaving the immoral man to even greater immorality. It promises short-term hope while threatening long-term horror that we're going to see through statistics here today on Viewpoint, not just in this country, but all over the world. Gun control is based upon politics and pragmatism rather than principle. If we do not understand those things, you and I will be duped. That is exactly 
what the exercise of passion to overcome our principled rationality is about to accomplish in the name of just do something. Just do something. Isn't that the cry? Just do something. Well, we are doing something here on Viewpoint today to help us connect our minds with our passions, to connect passion with principle and rationality. I hope you'll stay tuned, friends. This is coming from someone who grew up in a family that never owned a gun. None of my relatives ever owned a gun, to my knowledge. We are not gun-oriented people. So why would I speak this way? Would you like to know? Stay tuned. This is you. Once upon a time, children could pray and read their Bibles in school. Divorces were practically unknown, as was child abuse. In our once great America, virginity and chastity were popular virtues, and homosexuality was an abomination. So what happened in just one generation? Hi, I'm Chuck Chris Meyer, and I urge you to join me daily on Viewpoint, where we discuss the most challenging issues touching our hearts and homes. Could America's moral slide relate to the Fourth Commandment? Listen to Viewpoint on this radio station or anytime at saveus.org. Welcome back to Viewpoint. I'm Chuck Chris Meyer. Today we're focusing on the passionate issue of gun control. Is it possible to control the effects of guns by gun control? The answer is, if it were possible, all of the statistics that flow from the efforts to control guns are must, must be wrong. But the statistics all prove that the more you put effort on gun control, the greater the problem gets. Why? Because those who are law-abiding people don't have to be concerned about gun control. It's the lawless people who don't care about your gun control laws and who will gain access to guns by whatever means lawful or otherwise, is necessary. Are you listening? Now, today we're taking a very serious look at this issue. And for Christians, it's important. It's very important. In fact, on our website, saveus.org, we have three different fact sheets. Three different fact sheets. One which I already shared with you, is why gun control is not rational. Another is called why gun control is not Christian. Now, guns can be neither Christian nor unchristian. There's no such thing as a Christian gun or an unchristian gun because guns have no moral choice. Guns themselves have no rationality. So why is gun control not Christian in its orientation? Because, first of all, it is a response to symptoms rather than the cause. It's an effort to control externally a problem that is caused internally. It removes any power that people have to control a government that seeks to dominate the people rather than be a minister for their good. 
It is a secular response to an otherwise deeper spiritual problem. Not a mental health problem, a spiritual problem. It promised short-term gain while promoting long-term loss. It is based upon an unbiblical view of human nature, presuming that the heart of men and their governments are fundamentally good rather than desperately wicked. It shifts moral responsibility from men as moral agents to objects that have no moral capacity. It contradicts biblical history since the logical extension of removing the means of self-defense from men and families is to deny communities and nations the right of self-defense. And by the way, that is precisely what the globalists want and intend. Ah, there is a greater picture here than anybody wants to talk about. Gun control ultimately is is a necessity for the advance of globalism, the New World Order, and the Great Reset. That's why it is coming into the fore again, not just because of Uvalde, not just because of Buffalo, not just because of these other incidences, as horrific and painful as they are, but because they're seizing the moment to accomplish other, more insidious goals that will completely change the history of mankind and usher in the Antichrist. Are you listening? I hope. Now, again, I promised you that you would hear from a very rational woman today. A very rational woman. She happens to be a black American. She happens to be a grandmother. She happens to be a grandmother who lost a son because of a felon exercising guns through his passion, unfettered by the fear of the Lord, to kill her son. What do you think Lucretia Hughes, Cluckin's son, might have to say? What do you think Lucretia Hughes might have to say about gun control? Would you be interested? Would you be interested in hearing exactly what she had to say before Congress this very day, just a few hours ago? Well, here we are. children. On the night of April the 2nd, 2016, my family got a phone call that would change our lives forever. My ex-husband answered the phone and let out a blood-curdling scream, a scream of pain from the depths of his soul. He screamed, he cried, he's gone, he is gone. Our 19-year-old son, Emmanuel, went to a party early that night. After we got the call, we was frantic. We called his phone, no one answered. We called even the police. I went to Facebook and I had to ask, is my son dead? I found out that he was shot point blank in the head and killed while playing dominoes. No one spoke up for weeks and the killer was on the run. No one was going to snitch. 
but that is the street life. Words can't describe how hard it is to bury a child. I ache for anyone and all who have done the same. My son's death was a result of a criminal with an evil heart and a justice system failing to hold him accountable for the laws he had already broken. You see, a convicted felon killed my son with an illegally obtained gun. Our gun control lobbyists and politicians claim that their policies will save lives and reduce violence. Well, those policies did not save my son. The laws being discussed are already implemented in cities across this country. We have decades of evidence proving they do not work. St. Louis, New York, Chicago, Washington, Atlanta are gun control utopias and they are plagued with the most violence. 10 more laws, 20 more laws, a thousand more won't make what has already illegal more wrong or stop criminals from committing these crimes. And y'all are delusional if you think it's gonna keep us safe. I am a walking testimony of how the criminal justice system and the gun control laws, which is steeped in racism, by the way, have failed the black community. By the age of 25, I had already went to 18 young black men funeral at the age of 25. I have one black man in jail, one black man in the grave, and my young grandson gonna be raised without a father. And it's a curse on the black community and everyone else's. Something has to change. Thoughts and prayers and calls for more gun control isn't enough. How about letting me defend myself from evil? I, you don't think that I'm capable and trustworthy to handle a firearm. You don't think that the Second Amendment doesn't apply to people that look like me? Who and you who would call for more gun controls are the same ones that are calling to defund the police? Who is supposed to protect us? We must prepare to be our own first responders to protect ourselves and our loved ones. I am a legal, law-abiding citizen, and I don't need the government to save me. I teach people how to use a firearm. I empower others to look at me to understand the Second Amendment is their right. I am a proud member of the DC Project, Women for Gun Rights, we believe that education is the key to safety, not ineffective legislation. We support meaningful solutions that will actually save lives. We support the Safe Student Act, H.R. 7415, which would immediately make schools safer. In hindsight, a Parkland 
We saw failure of the government at every level, failing the students. Students saw something and they said something. And the school did not act. Police were called to his residence over 30 times and they did not act. And finally, the police did not go into that school that fateful day and failed to protect those kids. We need to secure our, secure our schools and we gotta secure this building or like y'all do. What's the difference? We call on Congress to ban gun-free zones, fund nonpartisan firearm education programs like Kids Safe Foundation and non-governmental mental health organizations like Hold My Guns. And in closing, I claim that nothing in these bills do anything to make us safer or address the mental health crisis in this country. Despite living with the heartache of losing my son on a daily basis, I believe it is our God-given right to defend ourselves from any act of violence, making it more difficult or even more expensive for me and people that look like me and other law-abiding citizens will not make us safer. It will embolden the criminals. Gun owners are not the enemies in these gun control policies are not the solution. Thank you. Thank you. There you go. Not the solution. And she's absolutely right. Why are they not the solution? Because guns are not the cause. People. It is the characteristic and the heart of people that is the cause. If you don't want to deal with the issues regarding the people, you will continue to have the problem with guns, whether or not you have gun control. Because it's the people who are lawless, who do not control their passions, just like the President of the United States doesn't control his passions. Here's a senile man in Washington who has a deadly nuclear arsenal at his fingertips and is calling for dangerous weapons to be taken out of the hands of the mentally unstable. Who are they? He said, listen, folks, this shouldn't be difficult. The mentally unstable shouldn't have guns. It's dangerous. Think of what could happen, Jack, said Mr. Biden. Isn't it fascinating? The Democrats in Washington are warning of chaos and death if mentally unstable people like themselves should ever get their hands on a firearm. It would be a disaster, said one Democrat strategist. Think of putting weapons in the hands of people who can't even define what a woman is, friend. I shudder at the thought, said one. Please disarm us immediately. <laughs> A little facetious humor there, if you can be humorous amid such a serious conversation. But we're going to shift. We're going to shift from talking about gun control per se to talking about the more fundamental issues. Are you interested in hearing about the more fundamental issues? 
that sever us from passion and relink us with genuine purpose and principle. Are you ready for that? Well, guess what, friends? Father's Day is coming up. Uh, It's a situation, a reminder about the sad situation of many fathers, especially black fathers who are not involved in their children's lives. And guess who those who are involved in these crimes with guns are? They are the children, the descendants of fatherless families. Why don't we hear Congress talking about that? Why don't we hear our pastors talking about that? Would you like to know why? You'll hear it right after this break. You're listening to Viewpoint, friends. Viewpoint does determine destiny. So does yours. We'll be right back. There is so much more about Chuck Chris Meyer and Save America Ministries on our website, saveus.org. For example, on the front page are two great videos. First, an interview and discussion of Chuck's book, Out of Egypt. Also, a great TV interview with Chuck regarding his book, Seduction of the Saints. Much more videos, a for pastors only section, and also you can view Chuck's weekly teachings. All at his website, saveus.org. That's saveus.org. Also on Chuck's website, listen to Chuck's Viewpoint broadcast. Listen to the archives. Maybe you missed a program. Check it out at saveus.org. Also, there are some great resources, hospitality information, also information about marriage, divorce, and remarriage, newsletters, articles, prophecy, prayer and revival information, all at saveus.org. How should we as followers of Christ respond to the issue of gun control? Guns or no guns, guns are not even mentioned in the Bible, are they? But swords are, spears are, bows and arrows are, and God authorized Israel to defend herself. David was one of the major defenders of Israel. And God called him a man after his own heart. So the issue of defense is actually biblical. Self-defense is actually biblical. Now, regarding the attitudes of our hearts, however, that brings up another issue altogether. The attitudes of the heart. You see, God is not just interested in our actions. He's interested in our attitudes. So what is the attitude, then, that drives us to use a gun, for instance? Is it power? Is it control? Is it anger? Is it retribution? What is the motivation of the heart that is compelling us to use a firearm? Is it sport? Do I have control over my own mind, over my own heart, over my own emotions, over my own spirit? The Bible says that a man who doesn't have control of his own spirit is like a city with broken down walls. And you know what, friends? That's the characteristic of our country today, of our families today. 
cities with broken down walls, families with broken down walls, whole cities with broken down walls because the families are broken down. And why are they broken down? Because we have disregarded the laws of God. We have disregarded the commandments of God. We have disregarded the spirit of the Lord, and we have repudiated the fear of the Lord that is the beginning of wisdom. That's why we're having these problems in multiplied order today. And no amount of emotional passion is going to deliver us from another incident because we're not dealing with the fundamental problem that's driving it. The fundamental problem that's driving it is a spirit of lawlessness. But where is that spirit of lawlessness coming from? Would you like to find out what the Bible has to say about that attitude and that spirit? The Apostle Paul spoke to it in writing to his ministry sidekick, Timothy. He said, know this, that in the last days, perilous times will come. Would you like to know what those perilous times look like? Well, he describes them, but we don't have time to go through it all today. We've gone through it over and over and over here on Viewpoint. But he tells us exactly what it looks like. And it looks like exactly what's happening in America today. Moral debauchery, rebellion against God and against parents, fathers refusing to live up to their responsibilities, frolicking and fornicating, resulting in fatherless children through unwed childbirth, also through divorce. Those are the two main causes of fatherlessness in America. They produce about 80% of all fatherless children in America. Could we do anything about those two things? Absolutely. We could change the divorce laws. Is anybody willing to do that or even talk about it? No. Why? Because we just want to keep divorcing our spouses. Why do we want to do that? Because of our passions. We don't have our passions under control. Our passions are not governed by God. They're governed by our own fleeting and feeble and uh, uncompromising passions at the moment. We do what we want to do, when we want to do it. So the reality is, if you really want to stop the gun carnage, you're going to stop the fatherless carnage. You're going to do everything you can to set up policies that are not going to encourage but radically discourage men and women having children out of wedlock. And I'm not talking about abortion now. I'm talking about discouraging fornication and adultery. Now, you can establish policies. Did you know that adultery was once a felony in this country? Mm. You never thought about that, did you? Hmm. Now perhaps you can understand better why God, the creator of the universe and of all humankind, took so seriously the issue of fornication and adultery. 
In fact, he prescribed, and I'm not suggesting that we do this today, but he prescribed for Israel that if you were involved in fornication, there were very specific laws, rules for Israel regarding fornication. If you, as a young man, caused a young lady to become pregnant, you became his father, and you would marry the mother. If you were involved in adultery, man or woman, you were to be stoned to death. Why? Because it was such a serious, serious infringement upon God's creation order that God said, it's intolerable, it cannot happen. But today, we actually bless people who are divorcing and remarriage, even in our churches. It's an abomination. No wonder God says, I hate divorce. Apparently, we don't hate divorce enough, though, in order to stop it, even in God's own house. So we would rather continue on to perpetrate our our unholy passions without the fear of the Lord, and then go to Congress to try to control guns. Do you see the foolishness of this? We have a reprobate mind. A reprobate mind. Now, look, God knew it was going to be like this. So, before Christ came, he warned Malachi, the prophet, that before the great and terrible day of the Lord, that is, before Christ came, uh, would come again and judge the world in righteousness, before that happens, he would, in his mercy and compassion, send forth the spirit of Elijah the prophet to call the hearts of the fathers to the children and the hearts of the children to the fathers, lest he strike the earth with a curse. Did you not hear what Lucretia Hughes said to Congress today? She said, we're under a curse. And she's right. God said we would be under a curse because of our lawlessness. So, what do you do? What do we do? We must restore the fear of the Lord in the land. And it's got to start in God's house. It has to start in your house. It has to start in your house, pastor. It has to start in your house. Father, mother, grandparents, youth leaders, it has to start in our house. Because judgment's going to begin at the house of God. That's where it's going to begin. Not among the pagans, but among those who profess to be followers of Christ. If the world and the country cannot see us deal seriously with this problem, and fatherlessness, even according to secular sociologists today, is the number one problem causing all of these other statistics to take place. So, what are you going to do about it? I'm going to provide you with two books. You do with it what you will. These were written specifically for our time, to remedy these problems. Number one, The Secret of the Lord. It's a hardbound book 
written to reestablish and help us to again gain our spiritual footing concerning the fear of the Lord, which is the beginning and foundation of all wisdom. That every promise of God, including salvation itself, is predicated on the fear of the Lord. Yet we've abandoned it to our peril. It is a $20 hardbound book, yours for $18. It's on our website, saveus.org. Saveus.org. The secret of the Lord. The secret of the Lord is with them who fear him. And to them and them only will he manifest his covenant. The next is Hearts of the Fathers. How to leave a legacy that lasts. Hearts of the Fathers. This is a book written to help professing Christian men become the answer to the curse that is upon us. Are you interested? Oh, you're not? Then you're not interested in solving the problem. You're just not. If you're not the spiritual leader of your home, you're not interested in solving the problem unless you're interested in becoming the spiritual leader of your home. It is a $23 hardbound book, yours for $20, Hearts of the Fathers, Leaving a Legacy That Lasts. We've got Father's Day coming up, friends. Wouldn't this be the best way to celebrate Father's Day? To actually become godly fathers? To actually set the course, reset the course of history in our time on the near edge of the second coming, to be and become the men that God would have us to be and become? What a gift to fathers. What a gift to grandfathers. What a gift to fathers to be. Hearts of the fathers. How to leave a legacy that lasts. A $23 hardbound book, yours for $20, right there on our website, saveus.org. You're writing a check at $5 for postage and handling? We'll get it in your hands. We'll be right back. Oh, about globalism? That's coming. Have you ever considered what the early church was like? Many people are developing a heart longing for a greater fulfillment in our practices as Christians. A recent study showed 53,000 people a week are leaving the back door of America's churches in frustration. What is going on? Why has there not been even a 1% gain among followers of Christ in the last 25 years? Could it be that God is seeking to restore first century Christianity for the 21st century? Jesus said, I'll build my church. Is Christ by his spirit stirring to prepare the church for the 21st century? The early church prayed together and broke bread from house to house. They were family, and it was said by all who observed, behold how they love one another. Incredible. But the same can be found right now. Go to saveus.org and click Sell Church. We can revive first century Christianity for the 21st century. It's about people, not programs. It's about a body, not a building. That's saveus.org. Click Sell Church. History speaks, friends. Gun control provides short-term hope, but long-term hope. Horror. That's true. Gun control provides short-term hope, but long-term horror. 
at every corner. And it's the foundation for the New World Order, the new global government that Klaus Schwab and Joe Biden and uh, John Kerry and all the likes of these Western world leaders that are set, absolutely determined to establish the Great Reset and a new global world order by 2030. That's why not only COVID was seized for this purpose, for the control of the people, but now these circumstances and the passions of the people are being seized upon as a crisis that can be manipulated so that the masses of the people can be manipulated to let the government completely remove their ability to defend themselves even from a godless government. I hope you're listening. The year was 1963. I was a senior in high school in Lakeland, Florida. I was only there for one year. It was the fourth high school I had attended across the country. was there for one year, and during that year, a new program was instituted in Florida by the government of Florida requiring every senior student to undergo a unique course that was immediately prepared in response to the Cuban Missile Crisis. If you don't know about the Cuban Missile Crisis, you might want to look it up. Look it up on Wikipedia or whatever. President John F. Kennedy was deeply involved there. Fear was controlling the country. Why? Because communism was on our shores, just 90 miles away in Cuba. And Khrushchev, heading up the USSR at that time, the Soviet Union, was sending their ships to Cuba loaded with nuclear devices that could immediately attack America. So, the government of Florida mandated that every senior, high school senior in Florida, undergo a, I believe it was a six-week course, on Americanism versus communism. Americanism versus communism. I'll never forget. We had to be at the Civic Center Theater at 6.30 in the morning every day for Americanism versus communism. Now, why? Today, we don't think about those things. Our young people think communism is a great thing. Socialism is a great thing. They have absolutely no clue. No clue. What is it about communism? It's about control. What is it about global government? It's about control. How does a government gain control of the people who are armed? That's precisely what our founders were thinking about when they gave us the Second Amendment. Now, again, you're talking to someone here who you're listening to someone here who doesn't have a dog in this fight. I don't don't have a gun in this fight. Guns are not my thing. I didn't grow up with guns. I don't have an infatuation with guns, but I do see their necessity. 
I do understand why our founders thought they were an absolute necessity, because without them, you are, unfortunately, the subject, unable to defend yourself against a government of men who are unrighteous and who intend to take away your God-given freedoms. The right to life and liberty. Here is a picture of history. The history of gun control. Promising short-term hope, but long-term horror. Listen carefully. The Soviet Union established gun control in 1929. From 1929 to 1953, 20 million political dissidents, unable to defend themselves, were rounded up and exterminated. That's right. Why were they rounded up and exterminated? Because they had no ability to defend themselves. It had been removed. In Turkey... They established gun control in 1911. From 1915 to 1917, one and a half million Armenians, unable to defend themselves, were rounded up and exterminated. It's called genocide, friends. They couldn't defend themselves. Well, how about Germany? They established gun control in 1938. From 1939 to 1945, 13 million Jews, gypsies, Homosexuals, mentally ill people, and other mongrelized peoples unable to defend themselves were rounded up and exterminated. We like to say never again, but we don't really mean it. We don't really mean it. Our Congress doesn't mean it. No, they want control. They want control, friends. They're not interested in you. They're interested in control. China, they established gun control in 1935. From 1964 to 1981, 100,000, excuse me, 20 million political dissidents in China, unable to defend themselves, were rounded up and exterminated. How about closer to home, Guatemala? They established gun control in 1964. From 1964 to 1981, 100,000 Mayan Indians, unable to defend themselves, were rounded up and exterminated. Uganda, they established gun control in 1970. From 1971 to 1979, 300,000 Christians in Uganda, unable to defend themselves, were rounded up and exterminated. Cambodia, they established gun control in 1956. From 1975 to 1977, just two years, three years, one million educated people unable to defend themselves were rounded up and exterminated. Would you like to know the total of all of those that were killed by their governments? Because the governments had prevented them from having an ability to defend themselves? 56 million. And by the way, just as an aside, why are the Democrats 
who are chomping at the bit, screaming to protect abortion, to kill off their young, purposely and intentionally, by a doctor's scalpel, why are they so intent on gun control? If they were intent on protecting the people, don't you think they would be against abortion? No. Because the little babies are not able to defend themselves. They couldn't if they wanted to. They're the least of these. If you don't want them, exterminate them. So, since 1973, 65 million of America's young children were exterminated not by a gun in Uvalde, Texas, not by a gun in Baltimore or in uh, Atlanta or in Buffalo or in California, wherever. No. All over this country, 65 million. We don't care. Not really. And certainly the Democrats don't care. And many Republicans don't care. They just want power. Women are crying for power to kill their young. Don't take that power from me. If they could, they'd just as soon take a gun and slaughter that baby. But no, they'll delegate it to a doctor under color of law to do what they would just as soon do with a gun. Except it might hurt them. Are you beginning to get the point? We're not serious. We're not serious. Gun control is not the answer to anything. Let's talk about, very quickly, the issue of mentally ill or mental health. Do you know what the real problem is? Yes, there are very few people who do have mental health problems. Do you know what the real mental health problem is? You know why the mental health problems are increasing dramatically in this country by young men? Because of their lack of fathers in the home. That's why. And it's building resentment, hatred. They don't know how to deal with it. Why do you think our prisons are filled with an inordinate number of black young men? It's precisely not because of their color, but because within their community, their fathers are not present. They have established sexual promiscuity as a God-given, ordained right. And it doesn't matter even if their penis was a gun to kill off their sons and daughters. It doesn't matter because I have a right to fornicate and adulterize. Is anybody listening? It's tough talk for troubled times, friend, but isn't it about time somebody tells the truth? We don't need an actor to come on with a persuasive Texas drawl to try to tell us that if we would just do these four things, we could eliminate most of these gun problems. It's not true. Not even one ounce true. And let me ask you a question. 
if you think that Christians, just as they were in Uganda, if you think that Christians aren't going to be accused of being mentally ill because they maintain biblical and godly principles concerning life, concerning creation, concerning sexual practices. If you think they're not going to be accused of being mentally ill and therefore having their guns taken away, you are living in a world of make-believe. And that's the reason why in Norway, one of their leaders who had the temerity to say that the practice of homosexuality was not according to God's will, and they're trying to put her in prison. My dear friends, we do not understand the gravity of the moment that we're living in. I dare say you do not understand it. Your pastor doesn't understand it or is not willing to understand it. But if you don't begin, if we don't all begin to take seriously our own lives, our own lives. You can't solve these problems. You can't solve these problems by a policy with Congress, friends, because that's not where the problem was created. It was created in our hearts. And the heart of the matter is always in the heart. So in order to solve these problems, we must deal with them as matters of our hearts. That's God's viewpoint, and that's why he sent Jesus to save us in the midst of it all, if we would only humble ourselves and repent. Thanks for joining us here on Viewpoint. Get a copy of those books, Hearts of the Fathers, Leaving a Legacy That Lasts, uh, The Secret of the Lord, How to Recover the Fear of the Lord in Our Homes, in Our Lands, Our our father, among our fathers and our mothers. They're on our website, saveus.org. I hope you'll get them. They will make a difference in your life. That is, if you want a difference in your life. You've been listening to Viewpoint with Chuck Grissmeyer. Viewpoint is supported by the faithful gifts of our listeners. Let me urge you to become a partner with Chuck as a voice to the church declaring vision for the nation. Join us again next time on Viewpoint as we confront the issues of America's heart and home.